Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Now let's listen to a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by... L-Power returns to tell a future with the album Blazing Force, this time offering an epic space saga exploring a single pilot's isolation in space. Drawing from the distinct genre of shoot-'em-ups in both sound and aesthetic, L-Power has created a work that balances the euphoria of space with its unavoidable sense of desolation. Based around samples from the Sega Mega Drive and the Genesis, Blazing Force sounds smooth and clinical like only the YM2612 can. That's the sound chip that's inside the Genesis. There's an underlying uneasiness to all this, though not surprising, when you remember you're all alone in space. This is a co-release with the guys at Pterodactyl Squad, who will be offering the album as a free digital download, while Telefuture will be releasing the album on CD. That's L-Power with the new album, Blazing Force. Now that's about as retro as it gets. And now, let's start the show. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last. This is Beyond Synth, the show where I interview artists and producers who make really cool music. Synthwave, Outrun, New Disco, New Retro, 80s Revival, all that stuff. It's great. And for any of you who might be new listeners, I feel like this is a very common question that comes up. It says, who does the theme song of Beyond Synth? The theme song is an abbreviated version of the track Sure Thing off the album Calico Brawn by Ogre. All right. So uh, there's this awesome synthwave artist called Ogre. Uh, if you don't know anything about him, check out the very first episode of Beyond Synth. He was my very first guest. He's really talented. And that's what the theme song is. One of my favorites. I'd also like to thank Dallas Campbell for helping me out with the intro. The show now begins with that uh, lady robot voice, and that was Dallas who recorded that for me. And I'd also like to thank He Mantis. He's the guy who does the write-ups for the episodes, so when you check out the show on SoundCloud, he's the guy who does the uh, episode description and posts the uh, artist links for you to check out. On the show today, I have a conversation with Celerect LA Dreams, the most prolific guy in the synthwave scene. And uh, if you're a fan of his, you're going to enjoy the show because it's a fun talk. And if you have not heard him before and you like his music, you are in for a treat because he has about 50 albums out. And uh, if you like the music, there is a lot of music for you to, uh, to check out. But before we get to that, just a bit of quick business. Please follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last on Twitter. Please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page. That's Facebook slash Beyond Synth. 
I promise liking that page will not burden your life. Uh, I do not spam. I pretty much just use it to post new episodes of the podcast. So all in all, it's a, a great time. Uh, you can also friend me on Facebook. I am Andy Synth on Facebook. I will be your friend for life. And finally, please follow the podcast on SoundCloud. That's the, the Beyond Synth SoundCloud page where all the episodes are posted. And if you enjoy the show, please uh, like the episodes, please share, please comment. I like to see lots of comments and lots of activity uh, around the episodes. It makes me feel real good. And before we get to Celeract LA Dreams, just a little note about the actual interview. On the day that we recorded, uh, Kevin had his nephew visiting his house. So occasionally, if you hear in the background a kid screaming... <laughs> That's his nephew running around, but uh, Kevin did his best to focus on the interview as his nephew was probably rummaging through his cupboards and eating his food and doing all that stuff that children do. And on that note, let's uh, get this show going. I just wanted to turn the monitor off so I won't hear myself in speakers and it sounds like a room full of robots or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know? but, but isn't that the point, man? Isn't that what we're all going for? You're right. <laughs> That's the future of human life, right? Robots. Yeah. The future of humans <laughs> is robots. Yeah. James Cameron had it right with Terminator. Actually, Ridley. You know, was it James Cameron? Yeah. Ridley was alien. Yeah. There's also robots in that as well. So. Exactly. And I always get confused because I know that alien, the first one was Ridley and then James Cameron came around and did part two. Yeah. And then I think went back to Ridley with Prometheus. Yeah, it certainly did. I'm ready when you are. I'm sorry. I'm just babbling. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was just—you just reminded me of Prometheus. <laughs> what pisses me off though is that that movie—that movie looked so cool. Like it was such a cool-looking yeah. movie, and they just—I I mean, I read—I I know there was an article on the web about how like what the script originally was, right? And it was originally like a lot more alien, right? The reason why they did all that black goo and all that stuff was to sort of substitute because they wanted to kind of like limit the amount of alien stuff because it was actually like those vials with black goo would have just been alien pods right the movie would have been so much better i mean it still would have had all of the story problems it still has but at least if there was aliens in it it would have been like a little bit more bearable i guess exactly they actually you know at the end when they were showing the i guess the metamorphosis of the alien from the giant dr manhattan guy mm. that was the only <laughs> scene <laughs> it's the only scene where you see an actual alien that's evolved but even that it just makes no fucking sense yeah. it's like the origin of the alien is that this vial has black goo and if that black goo goes into a human being's eye and that human being has sex with a woman she will give birth to a weird octopus alien and if that octopus alien attaches itself to the face of dr manhattan then the alien is born like it's the stupidest i can't believe it was made and like no one was just like hey this makes no fucking sense like <laughs> exactly there were a lot of blogs on at the time that were uh, making fun of it, you know, those who've gone to watch the uh, pre-release. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had some questions about it. I mean, there were some images in the movie that you've seen throughout the alien, you know, the aliens and alien, like yeah, the yeah. seat that Dr. Manhattan was sitting in. Yeah, yeah. And the elephant head thing, those are actually images that are in the older aliens, but 
the movie to me it didn't feel like alien it definitely didn't uh give the explanations that i think people were no were hoping that it would because then even even when they finally made it to the ship it just was it was a different one like it wasn't the same one they weren't on the mm-hmm. same planet like it would have been so much cooler if they were just on the same planet and that was the ship from the first alien movie yeah Ah, oh, it's just frustrating because it could have been so cool. I am, yeah. I'm sitting, I'm talking today with Kevin Celerect LA Dreams. Explain to me. I mean, I've seen you, you've done some interviews uh, with some other people. I know there's one on on synthetics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So explain to me now <laughs> the meaning of Celerect LA Dreams. I sort of formed in my head that this was originally a duo or something. <laughs> like I was just like, yes. oh, well, it was this guy called L.A. Dreams and then this guy called Celerect and then they came together and then one of them left because I only saw the name Kevin and then he got to k- keep the whole name while the other guy, <laughs> you know, w- went off and became Cougar Synthers. I don't know. <laughs> this is well, <laughs> this is the story I've crafted. It's funny because I still get emails that have people asking me or making statements like, you guys are great, you know, or I love your music, you know, both of you guys. Mm-hmm. And the way it came about was originally I was Celerect. And the word basically was formed out of the term of the word cello, which is tape, basically another way to say the word tape. And rect is just like erect, you know, cello tape, stand up. It's kind of like listening to music tape music, classic music with an awareness. And um, LA Dreams basically just marks the city I'm from and reflecting on the era that has birthed my uh, creativity and uh, focus. So Celerect isn't just a cool sounding word? Did you actually think about that when you came up with that name? Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, it was something that I wanted people to really ask about, just to add more mystery to what I do. Mm -hmm. But LA Dreams is typically who I am. Let's discuss now. I knew this was going to happen. In between the time that I started uh, listening to your music and just sort of like jotting down tracks I wanted to talk about, you came out with another album, which I knew was (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So let's let's just address this one at the start, so we can just sort of move along. You have made. Okay, when I started writing the questions, <laughs> I counted 24 releases. That's correct. <laughs> You're like, what is the madness behind that? <laughs> We're recording now, and it probably won't be released for probably like two months. Right. I imagine that by the time this thing is released, <laughs> you will have released another album. <laughs> when I first started putting out uh, a lot of albums, you know, I did get, you know, some people, uh, some of my uh, synthwave uh, colleagues, I should, I could say, wondering what was the purpose of that. And when I initially started this journey, my focus was really to show how much I loved this great decade called the 80s. And so I wanted and everything that I put out is from some type of experience that maybe have caused me to reflect back on an incident that happened when I was in middle school or in high school. Mm. And I wanted to convey that feeling to other people. And I couldn't put all of those songs on one album. I'll actually put out an album that may have eight or nine songs on it, but I'll have like 25 songs standing by that somewhere along the way I had, I, I started a track and then I had another idea. So I stopped that one and started another one because I have so much inspiration that just goes on all the time. And, you know, I'll be in the middle of my sleep and I'm inspired to do something. And so to release it, it's really just a way that I could put music out there. You know, with all the music that's on the radio today, I feel like my my service to music or to save it is to kind of shield people from the 
some of the very bad music that's out there today <laughs> on mainstream radio, you know? Right, right, right. I think with all the songs that I have out, there's probably like 200 or something like that. I can pinpoint each song and, and connect it to something that has affected me in a way to where I had to put that song out. Right. You know? So they, they all mean something, you know? Are you full-time just making music? You must be. Do you have a job? Actually, my job is music and I do graphic design. Okay, okay. Because I was trying to fi- I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, with, with the actual output, you know, when I look at uh, other artists who make, you know, because the thing about it is your music does have a very sort of like a consistent quality to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I when I was going through and listening to all of them, I was like, it's all good music, you know? And so that was, Appreciate I think that. that's the sort of the surprising thing about the the output. Yes. <laughs> like your insane output is that there wasn't necessarily like I was going through and I've sort of picked... I mean, we're, we'll talk about them, but I was picking my sort. I was going through each album and saying, oh, oh uh, we'll talk about this track and we'll talk about this track. Right. But it's going to be curious to see what you say about sort of the tracks that I bring up because you do have a, a style. There is a sound when I listen to your albums. I'm like, okay, this is LA Dreams, right? Like this is what the music kind of sounds like. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the songs that I was sort of gravitating towards on each sort of release was the one, like, there was usually, like, one or two that would kind of stand out, like they were a bit more experimental or a bit sort mm-hmm. of, you know, stood out from the rest of the album. I, I was curious because I, as I was listening to it going, like, I wonder, though, if this is a proper representation of L.A. Dreams, if <laughs> the tracks that I've chosen to talk about are all the ones that are, like, <laughs> the kind of one that's a little weird or a little bit different than the ones that are on the rest of the albums, whereas the rest of them have that sort of that L.A. Dreams sound to them. Right. So I talked to uh, Rick Shithouse at one point, and he's like, oh, listen to my mixtapes. <laughs> You'll hear the ones, you know, like the ones that he's picked of yours to throw on his mixtapes. Yeah. Because we all have sort of different tracks that we gravitate to. So I know, you know, Rick, mm-hmm. you know, is very sort of I- important to the scene, but I do feel like when I do listen to the ones that he picks and the other things, I do have a different taste than he has. Sure, sure. And this is my fucking show, damn it. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're going to talk about the exactly. song. But anyway, but there was a lot. And so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work my way through it. Cause you know, we'll talk for about an hour, but I have like this list because I was just going through your albums. Mm-hmm. So you had a, you had a release called nostalgia. Yes. Was that the first one? Mm-hmm. That was an, that was an EP. Yes. Okay. Now I've highlighted the song wild in the night. Wild in the night. That was a track I put out uh, that reminded me, first of all, I'm, I'm from LA, but I lived in Miami for years. And three of those years, I spent uh, my senior year in high school in this particular school that was near Biscayne Boulevard. And I remember just growing up, some of the images that I would see from TV and from actually being there in in Florida, of the types of women that actually inspired me to actually grow into like a teen and wanting to uh, connect to, in a sense, you know, because I thought these were like glamorous women, you know, those that walked up and down the Biscayne Boulevard and you know, Coconut Grove and all of this. Scarface. Yes. Sorry, that's, 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 <laughs> when, when, when I hear Coconut Grove, I'm just reminded of Scarface. Scarface, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was just the time, it just put me at a place where the nightlife in, in Miami was, was amazing. I mean, even now, if you go back to uh, Biscayne Boulevard, you, they still have a lot of the Art Deco architecture, a lot of the neon lights and everything that would embody the the quintessential 80s. Mm-hmm. And so Wild in the Night was just basically a reflection of the nightlife and nightlife girls, you know, uh, being like a teen who um, was very much so influenced by city life.
I noticed that sort of after this EP, this was like the only one where you sort of had a um, a paragraph that accompanied the EP. Yes. Which was, journey through the re-emerging mystical city of fantasy and passion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that how you Love imagine that. that people would read it? That's exactly how I imagine <laughs> <laughs> You. That's perfect. I had this, you know, this phase for a while where I was talking to people and I was noticing, hey, a lot of people seem to be in there, you know, like kind of mid 30s or early 30s. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up talking to a string of dudes who were like 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's just like this weird discrepancy of just like there's these 20 year olds for some reason inspired by 80s things. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, um, I do like the fact that the 80s has such an impact on a lot of the younger producers that are coming out today. But I just feel like some of them, I mean, there's so many that I really enjoy joy but i think there's some that just don't really understand it i get that because they didn't really live the era at mm. all i think for some I've, I've noticed that their only focus on the 80s is like miami vice and terminator yes and there's some other things like if you you can probably even sense it through my music where there were so many dimensions to the 80s i mean i remember i was on an interview once and um, i put out a song called inside outsiders and that was basically inspired by a TV show that was a spinoff of Miami Vice called The Outsiders. Right. That probably 98% of the world has no idea what that was. <laughs> yeah, but I think that it's really good that you have a lot of, of the younger people that are jumping on board. But I would recommend that they do more, not just research, but make it more of their livelihood to embody the 80s because it has so many dimensions not just limited to Miami Vice and Terminator. No, no, I understand that. I think what's neat, mm-hmm. and see, because I, I like it all. So, I, I mean, I like the technically what we call like synth wave. And I think, you know, when it, when people are younger, they sort of bring a different fidelity to the sure. type of music. I mean, yours does sound, um, I will use the term genuine. <laughs> Thank you. If I think of people like, you know, Perturbator or people like that, who I, I bring up a lot, where there's a... 80s inspiration but he doesn't specifically say i'm making 80s music because he's not you know like it is like Correct. modern electronic music with that influence right but definitely yeah there seems to be a lot of uh, miami vice and uh, blade runner and blade runner can't forget about that yeah which are which are good things and terminator as well they're all, absolutely uh, those are legendary films absolutely <laughs> i mean there's so many awesome uh, producers that i listen to on soundcloud that really have captured that scene i'd like to hear someone uh, take on the, the vangelis side of Blade Runner uh, with more of the Yamaha CS80. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome, you know, to be able to take a style of music. I think we've even done it, right? I mean, from our generation, being inspired by generations before us to do what we do. Um, but I've always said that I believe that the 80s was the last decade that actually had its own identity. And uh, the 90s and the 2000s were basically mimicking everything before. I talked about this, too. I talk about this all the time, so I'll end up repeating myself again, but uh, I don't care. (laughs) There's a lot of music in the 90s I liked. You know, like, you know, I I liked, like, Nine Inch Nails. There's lots of sort of things, like, industrial that were coming in that I, I really dug. But, Jesus, do I hate... That pop rock stuff. Yes. With their st- I was just thinking the other day, and I, again, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, sure people had their, you know, their good tracks here and there, but there's just something about even the names of the bands. Like every, t- <laughs> every time I'm reminded, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Conan O'Brien. 
So uh, lately I've been going back and watching lots of people are posting 90s uh, clips of Conan O'Brien from the 90s, which is when I watched it. Right. He always had kind of like kind of B-list guests and these stupid bands. <laughs> yes. And and so I'll get reminded of all these. I'm like, oh, like sixpence, none the richer. You know, oh, like, wow. Like, yeah. why, why do I know that stupid word? And then like Hootie and the Blowfish. Like Hootie these and ba- the Blowfish. Ah. It was the theme song to my uh, high school, unfortunately, because I, I came from a small town right. that um, had basically like one radio station we'd get, and it played sort of top 40, but also country music because right. it was a small town. Mm-hmm. So they just sort of blend in it. So even like, you know, right when, you know, like when Britney Spears and stuff was coming out, that stuff was like a little too edgy for this. So they would skip over those. <laughs> right. They would skip over those hits. And then so it would always be like... You know, like Lone Star, right? You remember that uh, that song, "Baby, I'm Amazed by You," that they like oh, to play wow. at weddings. You know, some music like yes. that. And every time I hear it, it just brings me back to like washing dishes in this restaurant. <laughs> I had this crazy boss. I was listening to Radiohead. Like, I got a, I, I got them to let me put a stereo back there. I'm just like, I'm just gonna listen to my own music. And I was listening to Radiohead, uh-huh. and then she was this old lady with like this crabby voice, and she came back, and she's like. Are you listening to that cult music again? <laughs> and then, <laughs> so, I love it. So then she turns it off, and then I had to listen to this fucking "Baby, I'm Amazed by You," and just <laughs> it, that shit drives me fucking bananas. And, 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 and is it just us, or did every lead singer no, they that did. sang rock have that? Yeah, they had that voice, same voice, like stained and, and yeah, 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 Nickelback and you know and, and puddle uh, of mud. No, was puddle it, of mud. Was they it all had mud? That. There was another one. They were they were all borrowing from the uh, 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 fuck uh, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Yeah, that's it. Jeremy's broke. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so when I even Hootie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and Hootie and the Blowfish. That one song drives me nuts too. I only want to be is with that, you. I only want to be with you. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny because Dan Marino, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time from Miami, Florida, that's his favorite band. And I was like, are you kidding me? Here's why it's frustrating. Because there's music that I like and there's music that I don't like. That's fine. It's for other people. Right. But the music from the 90s, that weird generic pop rock stuff. I I, I said this again. I was talking. I think I was talking to Kid Cassio or something about it. So I'm saying the same thing I said to him. But. It's just music that when I hear it, I just go, who is this for? Yeah, yeah. Like, who who sits down and is moved by this? Like, everybody can have their own opinions on stuff. There's lots of music, like, even, like, modern pop. Right. It's not for me. Right. But I can see, oh, yeah, there's probably some young kids. This gives them energy. They want to dance to it. I don't sure. personally like it, but I, I, I can see why somebody would. And then there's sure. just fucking, uh, I only want to be with you. <laughs> right. I'm like, who sits down and goes like, I can't wait to put on track number six. Only want to be Don't, with you. So you do what I do. Like when I hear a bad song, I'm wondering the process. How did that go? Like, how did they get to the point to where we're hearing where we're hearing? Because to me and to you, this sounds like crap. So how did they actually get through those songwriting? Now I even understand like that music business sort of more where I just feel the cynicism of it. Like it's cynical. Like, you know, there's just these songs on the radio now. Right. I, I'm trying to think of the one. Oh, 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 oh. Oh my gosh. And you know, the second you hear that song, you're like, this song was literally made for a commercial. And anytime, <laughs> anytime I hear anybody talk about that song, that's all they say. 
I listen it's a to commercial. Yeah, like I listen to a lot of podcasts and whenever that song is raised, it's always just like this song sounds like a car commercial. It's like there's these bands that write songs and I can't imagine that the band is passionate about that song. Like they're writing it going, this is going to play during a fucking commercial for yogurt or something. Like <laughs> It, it, oh, it sucks. And but at least I understand it. Right. Whereas like Hootie and the Blowfish, I don't understand. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't like to keep picking on them, but it's there's more. Like the '90s was full of that stuff. Anyways, let's let's talk about you again. What's uh, <laughs> is that what we're doing? Yeah. You were talking about with a, with nostalgia about nightlife, and then you followed that up with a release called Nightlife. And I think the track that I really dug was one called Neo World. That one, actually, there was a video that was made that was actually clips from Terminator. There you go. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was the image that most of even the new artists and people that are into the synth wave actually can see. It was basically an image of the past that was taking a glimpse into the future. So New World was that whole sound. It was typical uh, 80s synthesizers, uh, ambient sounds in the background that just kind of took a person to that place where in the 80s, you know, we had an image of what we thought the future would be. I wanted that song to kind of embody that feeling because we really didn't know that by 1999, nothing was going to change. We didn't know that. We <laughs> thought, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but that was the image, you know, as a child, you know, I didn't want to see 1999 because all I could think of was like, you know, again, robots taking over and then there's like a nuclear bomb and then people are living in this upheaval type world where the buildings are half destroyed. And well, that was 1997. That was 97. Exactly. Or so Linda Hamilton led us to believe. Yes. They should go back and take that out because that didn't happen. No, that, yeah. <laughs> Everything else did, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
you did one of the earlier collaborations with uh, Dana Jean Phoenix. Is that correct? Yes. Um, she wanted to collaborate. To, to be honest with you, I love collaborations. I, I really like to work on them. Even if I know that I'm not going to release it for anything other than for people to listen to, I like the idea of uh, collaborating with other artists because there's something in when someone puts their piece in and then this person puts their piece in and then... You, you stand back and you can see exactly what you got. And it was fun working with her because she loves to sing. Mm -hmm. She really loves to sing. Yeah, no, she's cool. She's the only interview I've ever done where uh, I got to do a in-studio because she lives in the same city as I do. So. Oh, really? Yeah, we're both uh, Torontonians. That is awesome. Canada. Everybody else lives all over the world. Tell me about uh, the Porsche driver's selection. Yes, that was a request that I received uh, from uh, Germany. It was a videographer and he was asking me if, I, if he could use one of my songs for uh, this Porsche advertisement. And I was like, sure. That was a lot of fun because it was one of the first, I guess, worldwide commercials that I worked on. And I worked on several, like, especially out of Sweden and uh, Ireland. Then have you ever worked on something where you actually scored to the video or is this always people like just taking tracks of yours they like? I've done four different uh commercials and two movies where they actually sent me the the movie there's actually two that are now that they've sent me uh, there's a movie coming out called the wrong floor and they've sent me uh some video footage to add to that and then there's another one coming out called cruising they're sending me actually the script and the video for that one tell me about uh perfect summer which was uh, the next release. Yes. I highlighted two songs from this one. I highlighted the track uh, Perfect Summer and also uh, Malibu Outrun. Yes. Uh, Perfect Summer actually was an actual summer that did occur back when I was in middle school. I'll never forget that summer because there was this girl I really wanted to talk to. At the time, we were out in uh, Laguna Beach. Every one of my classmates were pretty much at the beach this summer. And I remember there was this one girl, Brittany, I think her name is. So she's listening. Hello. It was perfect because uh, the way we actually met, I never spoke to her. You know, it was kind of like, you know, you're kind of shy because she's like the popular girl. And basically, she came and talked to me. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, so she was <laughs> like, it was, she says, hot, isn't it? And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. And so she actually gave me a snow cone. I was like, okay, yeah, this is the best summer ever. <laughs> and a snow cone isn't even a euphemism for anything. It was just hot. <laughs> 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 <It> was... <laughs> Do you remember what, what flavor the snow cone was? We talking raspberry? It, we talking strawberry? It was actually banana and blueberry. There you go. And it's actually really good. Even until today, I if I get a snow cone, no matter what the flavor, there's banana involved. <laughs> you know, there's got to be banana involved. There's well, always a banana involved when you get a snow cone. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That summer, there was a banana involved, a literal banana.
So what about the uh, Malibu Outrun track? What was the... Uh... Amazing enough, uh, Malibu Outrun was an ode to the Outrun video game. My brother and I, we used to always go to the arcade and play that game. And my brother is like a super genius at that game. You know, he'd play on one quarter and be on that machine until he finishes it. Nice. And... Um, I remember how much I loved it and how they went from the stand-up machine to an actual simulator. It, it was just basically an ode to the original OutRun game, which actually birthed the whole OutRun scene, that game. mentioned working on a, a film called The Wrong Floor. Yes. Is that the one that was in Germany? I believe they're filming it in different parts of the UK. In the UK? Yeah. When I was sort of reading through about stuff you did, I know there was mention of a film project that was in Germany. Yes, yes. That one was a different one. Uh, Cruisin' is actually the name of that one. Okay, okay. That's Cruisin'. Yes. And uh, The Wrong Floor is shot, I believe, in Wales and most of London. Okay. As a matter of fact, when they're done, the, it's a full feature movie, so it's going to be out in August, I believe. And, uh, you know, then go to imdb.com and read about it. It's still in production now. They should be finished at around the beginning of July. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that was really interesting. It's like a heist movie. It's like a Tarantino-type grindhouse movie, so it's really neat. Here's the thing I was reading. One of the few sort of informational paragraphs I found about you mm -hmm. uh, was this thing where you mentioned, uh, you say, this is a quote now, I'm quoting you. Okay. I'll do my impression of you now. Okay. <laughs> I spent my... Oh, no, no. <laughs> 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 <That's good. laughs> 
We've established you have sort of a, a very high, strange voice, right? Is exactly. That... Yeah, exactly. Kind of squealy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you say, yeah, I spent, I spent my lo- yeah my young life growing up in Miami where I started uh, my young years in electronic music during the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, early fascination with new age bands such as The Cure, Depeche Mode, Spandau Ballet, OMD, mm-hmm. Information Society, Duran Duran, New Order, etc. Then later moved to Los Angeles. So when you were growing up, like, were you actually like fooling with music then? Or was that just you were, that's where you were getting your inspiration from for when you started later? Or Actually, yes, I started playing the piano at seven, but I actually started getting involved with uh, electronic music at around 12. And that's when I had the uh, Core DW8000 and uh, the SH101 Roland. That was around the time that I was very influenced by like Howard Jones and Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran. I was always impressed with the things that they could do with these keyboards. Later, I started getting more involved with like samplers. When I heard, when I finally heard about the Fairlight, of course, that was put out like late seventies, early eighties. But when I finally heard about it and, and found out that Nick Rhodes played one, because I was a huge Duran Duran fan back then. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, an artist in the UK called Kid Casio, uh-huh. and he literally said this exact same thing. Seriously, he went to school. He's a little older than than you, uh-huh. and this was in England. And a guy, oh, I forget the guy's name, but he was an electronic musician, a known one, went to his school and demoed the Fairlight. Seriously? Yeah. And then, yeah, he even brought that up and then how that was like the first sequencer he saw and how that was like this inspirational thing to go on and- Groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, uh, with no money, ended up getting the Casio, uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah, because I think even now that Fairlight costs about $7 billion. (laughs) No, I I, I was just saying that when I was into- Nick Rhodes and the, and the way he produced music. And then I, later on, I got more involved with Genesis. And that's uh, my brother kind of introduced me to a lot of what they do. I started following Tony Banks, which to this day has the most influence on my playing. Okay. Uh, and you have Herbie Hancock. But yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, even like uh, Harold Faltermeyer. It just goes on and on and on. But yeah, I was all, I've been influenced with electronic instruments and music since I was very young. So and then how did you acquire these things? I had a friend, my, my older brother uh, named Danny, and he, he lived in Miami at the time. And his father used to actually play for Rod Stewart. Well, there you go. Yeah. And we used to go over to his house and he had this really nice setup. At the time, the software he would use was Cakewalk. I don't know if you remember that. I actually do. <laughs> you remember Cakewalk? When, yeah. Like a long time ago, like I've I've made music, but it's terrible. So I don't play it to anybody. <laughs> But I have wow. I have uh, like Fruity Loops files that date back to 2000. Wow! And I remembered around the time that I started using Fruity Loops two, uh, uh-huh. th- there was also this other this demo that came with. I think my buddy had a keyboard and it came with the stupid Cakewalk demo. Yes. And I just remember how I just I, I find just the combination of words Cakewalk frustrating. Like I just don't like the <laughs> way, I don't like the way it sounds. <laughs> And I remember that whole thing, just like fucking cakewalk. We had to keep saying cakewalk because they had the discs for cakewalk. And are you going to install cakewalk and cakewalk this? I'm just like fucking cakewalk. (laughs) Yeah. And when you use the term cakewalk, you're assuming it's easy, right? (laughs) And and, and this program was like a musician had no involvement with Mm -hmm. creating that. It was all engineer. And they call it cakewalk. It should have been called hard as hell. <laughs> Shitty program. The program. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From the makers of but cakewalk. It was his house that actually had this gear. Okay, okay. Yeah, because of his his uh, father playing for Rod Stewart at the time. And uh, he had a lot of instruments in the house. I, I just remember one time, because I've known him for some time, and when CNC Music Factory was popular, 
I remember he went and programmed Gonna Make You Sweat in the cakewalk, and I thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, there was always something so impressive to me about knowing how, like, you know, how music works. Right. I played piano when I was a kid, but I never absorbed it. Right. I always, uh, like, when I was fooling around with Fruity Loops, I would make these electronic songs. Right. But they didn't have, like, the structure of a song, you know? Right, right. I never thought to be like, well, why don't I actually listen to music I like? And uh, <laughs> and then break it down, you know, like that didn't even occur to me till like a few years ago where I was just like, why don't I just take a song and find out what the BPM is and actually, you know, try and learn, you know, the structure. Right. So I remember in the old demo of Fruity Loops 2, they had The Cure, that song A Forest. Yes. By The Cure. And I remember going like, oh, mm-hmm. so like you can actually make music that sounds good in this program if you know what you're doing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. Because everything I would make on Fruity Loops sounded like it was made on Fruity Loops. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, you know. And then you would hear like what the the demo song always sounds great. Yeah. And yeah. like on like Fruity Loops 11 or whatever the hell they're on now, you know, it starts with like this big bang and like there's. And you know they didn't use just Fruity Loops on that on that demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because the vocals are always so clean too, like on on their demo tracks. Yeah. It's like a Neumann mic and all that. So there there is something like when someone knew what they were doing and it was programmed into a you know, into the software, you're like, oh, wow, like this is actually, wow, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My song was was always a 140 BPM, just boop, tss, boop, tss, and then like a bunch of... <laughs> and you want to take it back for false advertising. It's like, that. that's not what I heard in the demo. Tell me about uh, Only the Reckless. I think the song I dug on that one was called uh, Give Into the Night. Give Into the Night. Yes, that one actually, there's a video out for that one too, and it was a scene from uh, Ninja Through the Domination. Give Into the Night was one of those just getting lost in the night, convertible, top down, and close your eyes and just let the wind take you. And so it was one of those moments where I was feeling, because I was driving home one night, and for some reason it was a, I was going down the Pacific Coast Highway, so... You know, when you ride around that coast, it's just one of the most inspirational views because the ocean's right there on the left. And at nighttime, it's like another thing. And um, it was inspired from that ride.
driving with the top down of your sports car? I was actually with some friends. <laughs> they were driving back from uh, Carmel. I was just hoping you were going to say that you were in a Prius or something. <laughs> no, yeah. Not, you know, not yet. You know, I'll get one of those uh, sports cars that I really desire. Well, you know, hey, the nice thing is, talking to you, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I speak with, they're all sort of inspired by this place, this the, the 80s dream in, you know, Miami and L.A. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are probably one of the few people who actually sort of lived it a bit, you know, or was there. I mean, <laughs> be, being yeah. there is one huge step for you. Because there's so much history. I mean, I, I just got a, a, the other day, someone emailed me about the, the fact that they saw live and die in LA for the first time and they were blown away and they were asking me all these questions like how does it feel to live in LA how is it and I you know I have to admit that there's a lot of the atmosphere just brings you to a place to where you feel like you could do anything and um, I love it I really love it out here and and I you know I lived in Miami for three years and that was nice Dade County hey your nephew's going crazy back there yes he <laughs> likes to yell he's two years old yeah no that's what they do my son's three so I think we've subdued him with, with video <laughs> games at the moment so you should see yes. him. He's like playing the PS4. He's playing Infamous right now. I'm trying to get him to not hurt the people. It's it's really amazing. You know, I, I have no kids yet, but it's like I, to see these kids and the level of advancement that they are with technology is, is amazing to me. You know, they know how to get on iChat and, and, you know, contact people and find their photos in, the, in these smartphones and everything. So it's real interesting. My son uh, knows how to drain my bank account. And uh, are you serious? He signs into the online bank and like drags the funds to like his account. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's funny. Unfortunately, he's having his terrible twos now, and he's like three and a half. But <laughs> yeah. there's like this game called Infamous. It's you know like a big open world city game, like a GTA with superheroes, uh-huh. and he can full on play it. That's amazing. Like he's fully playing like this open world 3D game, and he like prefers to play it over. I, I keep on trying to get like cartoony games to sort of you know, hey, maybe you should play this. You know, I just picked up Mario Kart. And- <laughs> He's like, no, I want to play Devil May Cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's tricky because he likes those games. And then, I, you know, I'm trying to teach some morals here. So it's like, well, he, don't hurt the people. I keep telling him not to hurt the people. That's awesome. And he will. But sometimes he like takes advantage because kids are clever. Right. So he'll <laughs> run up to somebody and like just start shooting lasers around them. <laughs> but he won't actually shoot them with lasers. I'm like, well, you- like you're still terrorizing the citizen. I mean, that's, that's not awesome. nice. <laughs> just, that that would be like torture. You're standing there and someone just shooting around. <laughs> Superheroes just shooting electricity like at anything but you. <laughs> that is funny. Oh wow. I'm not gonna hit you, sir. I'm just gonna shoot around you and make you think I. Yeah, and then probably my finger will slip, and then I will shoot you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Is there something like about uh, an indie science fiction film or something mm-hmm. that you were involved with? Yeah, C. It was called C. Uh, actually, that was... Like the letter C? Yeah, it was called... It was the letter C. And, and basically, it was a uh, scientific term for depths in outer space, you know, with those uber nerds that know about knots and all of that. And uh, they named it off of degrees from the Earth, you know, spaceships and all of that. And uh, it was a director from New York who actually asked me, about putting some music to it. But at the time, basically, he wanted to use some music I already had out. Okay. That was fun because actually the ship that they used in the movie, the guy who actually designed the UFO and Close Encounters is the guy who worked on that ship. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm confused because there was two releases. There was one called Coast Nightfall Volume 2. Yes. But then when I saw the first one, I thought the first one was just called Coast. It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> there was Coast and then it was Coast Nightfall. The Coast, of course, Coast was more of the daytime summer and Coast Nightfall was the opposite of that. It was when the evening came and the things you do at night, the memories you had at parties. And Tell me about uh, the track uh, Silent Fate. It was inspired by a movie, and I believe it was Body Heat or Nine and a Half Weeks, one of the two. You know, it had a, had a noir-type feel to it. Sometimes I'll do a song that's inspired by an image, not necessarily anything, any activity that was going on, but an image. For instance, with Silent Fate, I remember I was watching around the same time I did Given to the Night, I was watching the Ninja 3 Domination again, and I remember there was a scene where the lead character, she was working out in her apartment, and behind her was a Patrick Nagel painting, and um, I remember having that, I mean, not a painting, but a framed uh, image. And I remember having one of those growing up and that image alone, just remembering that, you know, Duran Duran had the picture of the Patrick Nagel image on the cover of their Rio album. Mm -hmm. It just took me to it was an image. So Silent Fate basically was just like an image of growing up of uh, something that really influenced my childhood. The other track I think I dug on that one was called uh, Falling Close Behind. Yeah, that one was inspired by uh, St. Elmo's Fire. It was a relationship, uh, I believe, that was between Demi Moore and... Uh, Wait, is it, it's Rob Lowe, right? It's Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, I've only seen that film once. So I don't yeah, know. it was just inspired by that movie. I mean, there's a lot of movies that actually inspired me. Even though they were t they were too grown up when I was younger to watch, I was always inspired by some of the older movies. Well, I noticed that with some of your music that there is more of those romance, yeah, romance themes. Like mm -hmm. that's the image that it conjures in my head when I'm listening. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you know, a lot of the people uh, who make music in this scene sort of focus on the either like the driving the fast car stuff, yeah, or the dark or, synth. There isn't too many that that focus on like the romance angle. I think you know, like Sunglasses Kid has a couple tracks that kind of do that. Yes, right. 
artists. It's not as common, but I noticed that with your stuff that there was usually a few on each sort of release on the albums anyways that were like, oh yeah, this is like, this is the romance theme track. With all of the music that inspired me in the 80s, the romance scene has always taken the the front seat. Even now I'm inspired by Crazy For You, by Madonna, you know, just like Heaven from The Cure. And, you know, I, I can take any of these little songs and, and Arcadia, who came out with Keeping Me In The Dark, those songs actually kept me at a place of remembering how pure relationships were young, you know, how, mm-hmm. how innocent they were in a sense, not necessarily pure because they weren't as a teenager. It's just something that I felt that music today has lost, that real romance sound. today is not really poetic in my opinion a lot of it isn't it's just kind of i'm going to tell you what i want and it's going to pretty much be something very shallow and superficial right 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 can you tell me what uh entourage is a group of people (laughs) (laughs) there's something i believe from your past that involves something called entourage oh you mean the group yes i was with a group uh Mm. yeah that's funny i was with a group called entourage you like my cleverly veiled question there i was trying (laughs) to i thought you were asking me like to define the word yeah yeah. (laughs) 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 today celerect la dreams will be playing the part of google exactly define entourage (laughs) disambiguation television series on hbo Uh, well, Entourage was a four-member band that I was – it wasn't really a band. It was like a singing group, kind of like New Kids on the Block. But hmm. I played the keys, and I wrote a lot of the music for them. Do you have, like, outfits or anything? Uh, no. You know, I'm glad we didn't because I'd have to have pictures and have to post them. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> do any of the, the tracks from that the, exist? They do. I have to actually go back into my archive and find them because I, I think that you would laugh. I mean, are you happy with them? I'm happy you... with the, the, the tracks, but they're – you listen to them now, they're just kind of cheesy. I mean, not even like in a good way. The vocal arrangements are really good. So if you were like playing keyboards then, so the other three dudes were singers or how did it? Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> exactly. So why were you relegated to keyboard duty or is that just what? <laughs> 
were, were the other guys prettier or like what's it was the no <laughs> it was it was like at the time you know even like with some of the groups that were out they were they were either all four in front or they all played instruments and we were trying to do something different to where we <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was reserved the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there must be some funny pictures of that. There has to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to find them. You know, they're stocked away somewhere. I'm sure my high school uh, yearbook has some images. As well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to Coast Nightfall. Actually, you know what? Uh-huh. I've never actually done this in the history of this show, mm-hmm. but you have so many songs uh-huh. that we are not going to get to all of them. because we've already been we're talking for about an hour here Uh and uh, i still have like this page list of like all the other things so we'll talk about a few more and then maybe you should just like come back sometime yeah that would be awesome when it's quieter and my nephew's not here yes now mind you all of my sort of biographical questions will be done so we can probably just talk about what tv show you're watching at the time right interspersed with uh talking about some of your songs because actually what i find surprising don't take this the wrong way. Sure. But that you actually know what, like, the songs I'm talking about and that you have a recollection of what they mean to you. Because I think uh-huh. if there's any sort of misconception or whatever about the whole, like, Celerect LA Dreams thing, it's that since you're putting out so much music... That I can't be connected to them. Exactly. And so right. so I'm telling you right now that I'm, I, like, I wasn't going in, like, this is not a controversial, confrontational <laughs> show. I mean, like, I just like to have a good no. time. And I love uh, synthwave music. I was half expecting, like, he's not going to know what the fuck these are. Like, I'm just going to say these <laughs> names and be like... Perfect Summer? I didn't make a song called Perfect Summer. Fuck you. This interview's over. So, so the fact... Again, another flawless L.A. Dreams impression by... The way you responded, you were so like, you were so like offended. What? What is that? I didn't know Perfect Summer. So... I mean, I have so many more in the list because I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to bring this up and we'll move along. But honestly, we haven't even touched on, I think we've, this is like a quarter of your releases. No, not even. Wow. It's been that many. Yeah, there's quite a few. That's the thing about it. You know, I honestly believe that if I would go on tour, I could remember every single song that I put out. I'm always connected to everything that I put out Mm -hmm. because it's very important to me. You know, I didn't want to give the illusion that, oh yeah, I'm playing this song and I'm not going to remember where it came from. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it all means a lot to me from the very beginning, you know, from nostalgia all the way to my uh, vivid colors. Okay, so we'll end on this one. Okay. And uh, which was, I think it was a track from Coast Night uh, Volume 2, and I really dug the song Fields of Magic. That song was inspired by Legend. It was that whole Ridley Scott mystical fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one meant a lot because it was it was a magical it's just a magical love between Jack and Lily, you know. I, I wanted to kind of use their story and connect it to something it it could be looked at as, as a modern love, but with a classic romance.
So how did you feel about, because I love the movie Legend, although yes. it's flawed, like it's not a perfect film. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but I've always loved the soundtrack. Absolutely. And I was surprised by this when I saw the extended edition. I don't know if you've seen the extended cut. I don't think I have. Okay, well there's an extended cut, okay? But they replaced the soundtrack because, you know, the story behind it, you know, like Ridley Scott had another soundtrack for that movie. And then at the last minute got Tangerine Dream to yes to, to write something to the new edit of the film like it was truncated. And I mean, that's why there's so many weird edits in that film. Like it's a weird, weirdly edited film. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, because there's that whole scene where it's just like, you know, like, come to Meg, when, <laughs> when, you fat boy. And then all of a sudden, uh, yeah. like. Then, you know, like Tom Cruise on there's like, you don't mean to eat me, do you? And then it's like, oh, indeed, <laughs> yeah, I, do. I do. And then all of a sudden, yeah, there's just like water splashing and then just blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then the you thing's don't know, dead. Did he cut his head off? Or yeah, yeah exactly. You're just watching going like, what the fuck just happened? Um, so the whole movie is sort of full of those weird moments. And in the extended cut, the soundtrack was different. And the soundtrack wasn't Tangerine Dream. And even though it's a decent soundtrack... It makes the movie so boring because the Legend soundtrack is a special like I, I love it. Like it sounds so cool. Absolutely. And uh, the thing that always bugged me was that on the like the actual release of that, they never had like the unicorn theme, which is like the best right. song. Yeah, exactly. I would recommend watching it just for the. I have to check that out. Yeah. Because in, in one way, it fleshes out the story a bit more. It's not quite like a Lord of the Rings thing, but it's like you get to know the characters a, b a bit more. But um, man, that stupid soundtrack they put on there just makes it so boring. I mean, did they remove any of the old songs like, you know, Love by the Sun or? Yeah, it's all it's I think the whole score was different. Are you serious? Don't quote me on that. But Love by the Sun was Tangerine Dream, wasn't it? That's right. And I think the lead singer, Yes, did the vocals. Maybe the other song still plays during the credits. Mm -hmm. Just one step at a time. Yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> is your love strong enough? Is what yeah, it was. Yeah. Your love strong enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 love is love. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, that Love by the Sun song is, uh, it's in my head now because I, because I watched the movie when I was younger. Exactly. But it's, it's what a cheesy ass song that is. Oh but my I mean, gosh, it's, what I think the lyrics are terrible. Like when I think about like, and it's got that silly voice too. Yeah. Legends can be high and forever. Hitching up the love for goodness sake. Did <laughs> you know, I thought the same thing because when, when I remember when, they, when I first saw the movie and <laughs> the music's all like, you know, enchanted and it's, you know, doing this. And then all of a sudden, I see the mystic flavor. Yeah. I'm like, Because okay. <laughs> the lyrics are literally, legends can be now and forever teaching us to love for goodness sake. I mean, it's yeah. just like, just awful. Like, I don't know what that it was is. It's just too to the point. We understand darkness is trying to yeah, yeah. take over. With that, the well, that would have been great if they, yeah. <laughs> if they did like lyrics about the movie. Like, and yeah. then they cut his arm off and then he and then he flew into space. That's another thing that they do in the extended edition. Uh -huh. The original version of the movie, you don't see darkness until he steps through the mirror. Seriously. So there is still the opening scene where it's just like the Blix are you not the most loathsome of my goblins? 
Right. But instead, in the, the cut that we know, you see his face, right? Yeah, you see his face. Yeah. So even though the movie's longer, you actually have to wait more before you see darkness. I always love that opening scene, too. Like, he looks so cool, like, with the weird light and the green eyes. Yeah, right? He's so cool in that film. For him to do that movie and come out with it and all of these characters that he would play, he's just like, an, uh, one, in my opinion, one of the greatest as far as horror the way he moves his mouth. Yeah. Like, I think that's what's so in- interesting about when he's playing darkness. He sort of like curls his top lip. In the yes. Way that, I don't know. It just looks like he's always really like enunciating and it just looks really cool. I've noticed that myself. I've noticed the same thing. When I was watching it recently and I'm like starting to notice these things. I never, you know, like when you start noticing how the movies are made and the effects and stuff. Right. And really like I'm wondering how often Tim Curry, if at all, he was ever actually in the full demon makeup, like the full body. Right. Because it seems like it seems like whenever he's actually the the body it's played by probably like a bigger actor i agree because the scenes where fucking the demon's like running at jack and he's shooting him with arrows oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just a dude wearing like a rubber darkness head like an outfit yeah because the mouth doesn't move even when lily faints yeah he leans over her and his his cape is kind of yeah and it's always close-ups like it's always when you see him actually talk it's just the close-up of his face exactly and uh so i wonder if he who's probably never even in the whole bodysuit so we'll uh okay we'll okay we'll end on a different track then because we're still talking so okay so after coast nightfall you did uh well i'll speed through some of this so you did the laser disc yes then you had one called belladonna i'm assuming about the porn star and then (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) and then uh you had a release called disco mannequin yes the tracks that i highlighted from from this one Mm -hmm. was uh was a track called stand clear Yes. And a track called Robot. Those were the two that sort of stood out to me. That album basically was focusing more of a digital character. A lot of what you probably would see in like the late disco movement with Funky Town and, uh, you know, some of the robot voices that they've used, uh, like Sticks even in the earlier 80s. But it was more of, a, of an electronic poppy direction.
you should come back on the show because we got more to talk about, man, it seems. You know, maybe we can do one in uh, in like a few months or something. That would be perfect. Because, uh, yeah, man, there's so much more. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot. I... See, because there's a lot of people, you know, I get a lot of people who like, they'll send me messages and they want to be on the show. And then, and then I'll go through their stuff and go, well, they got like two songs. Like, I don't know what we're going to really talk about. <laughs> And then you sort of have the opposite issue. Yeah. It's like this whole, like a conglomerate of music. But, um, yeah, so we could probably wrap it up. This will be, this is our part one. So this is the first time in, uh, I mean, I've had people back on the show, but I've never really, uh, done like a two part sort of interview. Uh huh. Um, but I, but I mean, I, I will start to do that more because I still also do the show just to entertain myself. So if I talk to funny people, I like to have them back and stuff like that. Yeah, I like this platform. It's, it's not even really an interview. It's just like, we're talking. I I only have like a point form notes. So like if anyone ever saw the notes that I actually pre- have the interviews with, they're just literally like just a hyphen and just like, like I think at one point, actually one of my notes was legend soundtrack. Cause I think I read a tweet or something that you liked it. Yes. So literally like the note is just legend soundtrack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no question. It's not, do you like legend? It's just, you know, like entourage, you know, just throw yeah. a word out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I knew I knew it was a band. I was trying to bait you so you you would admit that it was a band because I didn't know if you were like yeah. ashamed of your past or whatever. But... I, I, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed of that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it happened, you know. Cool, man. Well, you have uh, you have a lovely day, and it was good talking to you. Same to you. Same to you. And we'll talk to you in a few months' time, or several months, or my schedule is crazy, so maybe we'll talk to you in a couple years. I don't know. <laughs> the whole thing's messed, but uh, we got we got part one anyway. So we've worked our way through, I think, 30% of your releases, maybe 35. Wow, is that me? Wow, wow, it's really... I think we got to Disco Mannequin. Oh my gosh, yeah, we have a long way to go. Something for people to look forward to. That would be fun. I mean, I I, I like stuff like this. It's settled. You like stuff like this, and I like stuff like this. <laughs> and we just two guys that like stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be the next album called Stuff Like This. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like a Huey Lewis in the News type thing. You know? Hey, you got it, man. That's great title. Stuff <laughs> Like This. Title track, Stuff Like This, and the last song is... Or you do like a two-part album. You do like Stuff Like This and then Stuff Like That. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was Celerect LA Dreams. We had a lot of fun. I will have him back at some point, possibly next season, to talk more because uh, this dude makes so much music and there's a lot of really great tracks that we didn't even get to. We barely scraped the surface. Scraped the surface? Is that the expression? Scratch the surface? Eh, shit. Oh, Google. Barely scraped the surface. According to Cambridge Dictionaries Online, it can be either scratch or scrape the surface to deal with only a very small part of a subject or problem. All right, so we barely scratched the surface of his catalog, and uh, I'd like to have him back to talk more about the other kick-ass songs. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please tune in to the next one, and you have yourselves a lovely day. The end. Beyond Synth is now over. Please tune in next time. Thank you for your cooperation.